Hey, this is Dr. Gala, and this is the lifestyle part of the Molt Method program. I'm going to answer a few of the common questions that I get related to the material that we cover in this part of the program. And just a reminder, if answering these questions maybe triggers a question that you have that isn't really covered here, reach out to me. If you're in a member of the community, reach out and, and ask me your particular question, and I'll be happy to answer it for you. So let's just start by um, getting back to the food sensitivities that we were just um, discussing that in the previous section. Um, so how do I know if I have a sensitivity to dairy? And um, just to reiterate, in case you're watching this part, um, not on the heels of the last part that we just went over, but dairy is pretty tricky. It can take up to three days to see the full expression of dairy sensitivity in our bodies. And so um, the best way to address this is to um, eliminate dairy for at least a month. And when I say eliminate dairy, I mean eliminate dairy. And um, you're going to have to really make sure that you know where the sources of dairy are in your diet so that you truly can eliminate them. And then when you reintroduce dairy, I want you to eat dairy several days in a row. So that means you're going to put cheese on stuff. That means you may even eat ice cream. That means, you know, you're going to, um, you're going, going to consume dairy as you were prior to um, going off of dairy for, um, for a month. And so it's going to take you several days before you see the effects accumulate. And, um, and you may notice skin issues, you may notice bloating, you may notice um, issues with your um, elimination, you may notice. Um, so remember that your digestive tract starts in your mouth and goes all the way through your body. And so, um, so you may notice issues in your mouth. Um, Certainly people often have sinus issues that are directly correlated with dairy sensitivity. So, um, so that would be my suggestion. And then, you know, if you notice that you've um, got this dairy sensitivity, then I recommend that you eliminate dairy as much as is humanly possible. Um, I in a perfect world would completely eliminate dairy from my diet. And I will admit that I'm pretty good at eliminating it 80 to 90%. But do I eat an occasional piece of cheese? Do I um, have something occasionally that has a little bit of dairy in it? I do. And, um, and I, my system manages it unless I do that several days in a row. And then I start to see issues accumulate. So, um, so I am with you on it. <laughs> I, I feel your pain. What are the signs that I have a sensitivity to gluten? So um, the um, 
gluten's similar. All these food sensitivities tend to be similar. We're going to notice issues with our digestive tract and, um, and uh, that includes, you know, from the mouth to our bowel movements. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed with myself with gluten sensitivity is um, the, um, the gluten will have less of an impact in my mouth. Like I will get the gluten down, but I'll feel a restriction in my esophageal tract. And um, this took a while to figure out because um, it really is odd, but I actually thought I had a hiatal hernia because I was having so many issues with my, um, you know, esophageal uh, tract area. And, um, and I regularly have patients come in that tell me they have been diagnosed with a hiatal hernia. And, um, and I will counsel them that even if they have been diagnosed with a hiatal hernia, I can assure them that getting off the foods that are causing sensitivities and irritating their digestive tract will solve the hiatal hernia for them. So um, prove me wrong, <laughs> uh, but um, but a lot of times you will feel obstruction. People will say that they um, can't lay down at night. They can't sleep laying down. And that could be related to issues with your heart, um, but it also could be um, related to diet. And I would say that even if it's, um, if the medical community would say it's related to your heart, that diet will resolve many of those issues as well. Should I eliminate foods I love if I'm not sure they're creating a problem? No. Um, I would want you to have some sort of, um, scan run. You might try even fast well week where we eat really clean for a few days and, um, and then reintroduce things and see, um, what seems to be irritating you. But if, if it's not just undeniably a, chemical compound that is going to be a kryptonite for absolutely everyone, then I say, enjoy the foods that you really um, love. And, and I don't want you to feel like you have to eliminate things if they're not your problem. Um, there are people who don't have a problem with dairy. It's rare. But um, if you've got the genetic makeup that is not as sensitive to dairy, you may be able to eat dairy and it doesn't cause a problem. But don't think because somebody else under your roof can eat dairy that that doesn't mean dairy won't be a problem for you. Um, there's a um, significant genetic component to all of these issues and, um, and we're all different and, um, and it's frustrating, especially frustrating when you live under the same roof with people who don't have the same sensitivities that you have and, um, and you have to restrict when they don't, but, um, but I feel you and, um, and just know that 
Um, if, if you are not having an issue with something, then don't worry about that. You've got plenty of other things you probably are going to need to eliminate. How do I apply the 80-20 rule to what I'm eating? So um, I described how I do occasionally eat a piece of cheese or um, ranch dressing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, There are some restaurants I go to where they really do make homemade ranch dressing and it is fabulous. Should I eat ranch dressing? No, but do I? On occasion, yes. So um, so that's the 80-20 rule there where um, I eliminate 80% of the dairy and, um, and I'm careful with that 20%. And I try not to string several days in a row together where I've challenged my um, immune system to be able to deal with that extra toxic load. But um, once you identify what really is causing issues for you, and often that requires that we eliminate things for a period of time to be able to really evaluate it. But once you um, realize what's really causing a problem for you, you will fu- you will know whether you're like the person with the peanut allergy and one peanut is going to send you to the hospital or you can get away with a little bit of it and um, and you just need to really closely manage it so that you don't um, stress your body out too much. Can you give me more examples of foods that might cause health problems? So one of the things that I mentioned in a previous part of this um, is a, a cucumber, for example. And I could use any fruit or vegetable with um, substantial seeds where we actually eat the seeds in whatever that fruit or vegetable is. I used a cucumber because most of us can relate to cucumbers. And so um, Dr. Gundry wrote a book called Plant Paradox. And um, if you search for it online, you will see people poo-pooing Dr. Gundry's work. And um, I find typically when that's happening that they haven't really read the book. (laughs) Um, Because if you read the book, you understand that he's not saying that the cucumber is the problem. He's saying that the vegetable has not been ripened on the vine And that in that ripening process, the vegetable deactivates these toxins that are uh, damaging to our digestive system. And so so, um, one of the things that's the trickiest thing I find for people is um, is, uh, raw foods that um, people have been conditioned to think raw food is best for us. Um, and, and there is something to be said for eating things raw. Um, there are additional phytochemicals in food that is raw, um, that may not survive the cooking process, but there's a lot of things that potentially ride along with, um, raw food, um, bacteria, that sort of thing. But then also, um, also these seeds that, um, that would potentially be toxic because even though we may have 
um, uh, picked a fruit or vegetable that looks ripe in the store, it's been picked before it ripened on the vine and it was artificially ripened in the process of getting it to the your grocery shelf. So um, that artificial ripening process is not the same as the ripening process that the plant naturally puts its um, fruit through. So why does stress increase symptoms? So several times here, I've mentioned that eating dairy puts my immune system under stress, right? And so when my immune system is aggravated, um, it goes to work to deal with these toxins that have been introduced. And so um, there is a point in time where my immune system has dealt with as much as it can deal with and it is overloaded. But if I am under stress, then um, if you recall, I talked about the fight or flight response. And so when we're under stress, stress takes the immune system offline. And so what our body would normally be able to deal with, with just a normal immune system reaction, it's now completely overwhelmed and can't deal with it. So, um, so that's the reason why stress increases symptoms because our immune system is not even online to be able to keep things in check. What should I do to relieve stress if I'm not comfortable being alone? So this is referring to meditating and some of the other natural stress relieving um relieving techniques that you commonly hear about. And, um, and I will encourage anyone to build up their resilience to be able to spend time alone. There's incredible value in um, that silence and listening to your still small voice, which is really hard to hear when we're not alone. Um, but that being said, I will say that something like a yoga class, um, it just simply doesn't get better. I wouldn't recommend a hot yoga class. I'm talking about a relaxing yoga class that is um, heavily emphasizes yin and restorative yoga practices. But, but yoga is a great way to um, be in a group of more like-minded people and to relax, also to move, that's going to increase your energy stores. So if um, somebody was coming to me and saying that they just really, you know, need something that they can do that is going to tick a lot of boxes, um, yoga is definitely one of those things. And if you're not comfortable being alone, then you're going to need to go to some class and be around other people. And lastly, where should I go for a personal retreat? So um, you should go wherever is, you should go where you are willing to go. So um, sometimes you might go around the world to have a personal retreat, 
but that's going to require a heavy lift in your world. You know, it's going to be costly and it's going to require a lot of planning. You're probably going to need to be gone for a long period of time. So I recommend that you find somewhere close to home, somewhere you can drive to in a matter of a few hours and somewhere where you can get away for three to four nights and, um, Three to four nights is the minimum that I've found. Um, a, a week is better, but um, two days are going to be spent traveling, driving either way and preparing and coming back and all of that. And so you want at least two to three days where you actually can just be unplugged. And so if you just search for retreat centers or um, if there are mountains near you, there will be little places that you could potentially just check in for a few days. And, um, and there may be a cost associated with them, probably is, but, um, but the benefits will really pay off for you. So, um, so personal retreat is something I would recommend at least two to three times a year. Um, if you can pull it off, have the big grand retreat, but more importantly, don't put it off because you can't find a week or two or three to step away and the cost is um, a major stumbling block for you. You know, if you are of the camping mindset, you know, you could even go camping for a few days. But even if you're not a camper, um, you may be able to find things that are really low cost and take that resistance point off the table for you. So that is the end of the lifestyle part of the Molt Method program. Again, want to remind you that if I did not answer your question, and maybe those questions sparked some ideas for you. I want you to reach out to me if you're a member of the community and ask your own question. I will be happy to answer it in office hours, or even um, we send those responses directly to you. So um, just uh, hang in there and um Keep in mind that you can go back to these lessons and refresh your memory whenever your feeling stress start to escalate.